Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Hey, we're live, pal. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the A-Side Live Chat. I am, of course, your host, Jose Youngs here. After a week-long break, because Casey and I were off on-site covering UFC 264 inside the T-Mobile Arena and various other media obligations after... Whoa, I can hear myself. Something's happening. Whoa. Whoa, I can hear myself. The right, magic of live anyway. TV. Anyway, yeah. This is not even the worst thing that's happened to me as host of the A-Side Live Chat on live TV. Anyway, that's the, the echo in my ear is gone. Anyway, you guys know the drill. We were gone for a week. Now we're back. Joining us this week, Mr. Sean Alshadi. How's life in overcast, rainy Phoenix? Life is wonderful. We just had a uh, effective monsoon out here all day. My, my house is almost flooded out there, but it's good times. It's Wednesday. That means games four. Game four is tonight. Suns at five, baby. The road to Suns at five starts tonight. Suns in five. I made sure to all the fighters that that brought it up. I think Max Holloway said Suns in four. I think someone else said Suns in four. And I think Sean, uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley said Suns in four. And I said like, Suns in five. Let's win it at home. Anyway, joining us on one and twos, Casey. How's life in, I'm assuming, Stunny Englewood? It's good. It rained yesterday. You know, I have a little drought. And now it's the rain. Um, there was a lot of dog poop in my backyard. And it got all wet. So it came <laughs> oh, with dog no. poop. So, you know. Why didn't you pick fall, it up? Everything falls apart like a turd in the rain. Oh. There you go. I think that's. I think that's <laughs> that was the poetic, phrasing. Casey. That was poetic. I think that's Casey. the phrasing. Yeah. Roy Batty said that. I think too on the rooftops before he died. Anyway, no one cares about that. This is the Show High Otani Appreciation Podcast. No, but Ooh, in all seriousness, dude, love that. Love that he doesn't guy. Doesn't speak English. <laughs> well, he does. He just doesn't speak it on television. Anyway, yeah, I mean, this is America. Mm. I was my Stephen A. Smith impression. I got I got zero baseball contributions to bring to this conversation. Joe Atani is the best thing happening in sports right now, and I say that as someone living in Phoenix during a Phoenix Suns final. Dude, I, I might I might I might be hit going, jumping on the um the four or five and going to Anaheim this weekend, man. Got some um, baseball to watch. I'm excited. You're gonna I, watch I, I don't a lot really of like sprots. I don't even like sprots, you, but here I am. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You're there. gonna you're gonna hate. Watching, you're gonna that that's gonna be some bad baseball. Except Shohei Itani is gonna be spectacular because that's just the definition of Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Anyway, you guys don't care about that. Sean wants to talk about Loki, so if you want to talk about Loki, you can ask those in the comment sections. Apparently, finale was really uh, good. Apparently, really Julie's watching it. Julie's watching it right now. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts, but I don't want to give spoilers away. I just watched Black Widow too. Eh, it was a movie. Haven't seen. That. Uh, Didn't watch it. It was a movie. Anyway, you can ask all your fist fighting questions in the comments on the site. You can tweet at us. Some of you may even have my phone number and you could text it to me. That's happened a few times. Uh, or you can leave it in the YouTube comments. Uh, anyway, Casey, what is our first question? First question. All right, here we go. Let me cut off this silly music. Jeez, that was too much fun. Oh, that's way too small. Let's go from Jessica Crystal Crew with an A. Oh, for A side, I get it. Let's go. I thought Crystal. the A would be for Al Shadi, right? Probably. <laughs> I would assume so. So yeah. that's Diamond, Shiny Diamond, Woot Woot, Al Shadi. I'm the Woot Woot, I assume. That's what, when I see those hands, that's the noise I make in my mind. Woot Woot. Can I get a Woot Woot from you, Shane? Woot Woot. There you go. Not happy with that energy, bro. 
not happy. Hey, man. Give me, feed me some good questions, and I'll bring you some great energy. <laughs> All right. Let's go straight to the YouTube comments. From that... Vasivas on I apologize for mispronounce your name in the YouTube comments. What do you think of John Kavanaugh's assessment of the fight? Should he change his feedback? So John Kavanaugh, <laughs> Conor McGregor's head coach, said the first round was was going well. I don't know the exact <laughs> phrasing, but he had some he's like, it was going well, it was doing this, Connor looked great, and then he shattered his ankle and then the fight fell apart. So Sean, is this on a scale of Javier Mendez? Or I, how should I, I – mean, let me rephrase this. On a scale of Trevor Whitman to Edmund Shabazian, what side is this closer to in terms of coach's assessment of a fight? Edmund Shabazian? I'm not what? Edmund Shabazian. What's his – Edmund Tarverdian. <laughs> That's the lowest you – I figured the Diego guy would be the lowest. Fabia. Well, I think I saw a that, lot that's of That's got to be the lowest of, on the spectrum of coaching, right? Like if there's a well, – Well, I think one, it was – I think it was more like post-fight assessment or pre, like pre, like in between round assessment. I think a lot of people were calling him the new Edmund after this. I don't really have a stake in that argument. I'm just saying what the fans are, are were in our Instagram gonna, comments. That's I'm what gonna, the comments were about. As the sports czar of the world, I'm going to go ahead and decree that Joshua Fabia is the lowest rung of the coaching ladder. What are you All talking right, about? So. He's Josh Fabia has multiple <laughs> wins as a coach in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> so does Tarverdian. He's, I think what what's oh, we talking about Fabia? Okay, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, so I so I'm trying. To, I don't have Kavanaugh's comments in front of me, right? Uh, but I saw them just as much as anybody else saw them, and they certainly do ring a little bit um, a little strange, right? Because I don't know that anybody could see those comments and actually agree with them. Like I, I nobody could see that Connor fight and actually like, oh yeah, things were going great. The whole game plan was to get a 10-8 in the first round and just get mollywopped yeah, for the yeah, whole we were five really, minutes. We're really gonna, the idea was we're going to bruise up Dustin's elbow for, with Connor's forehead. That was the plan. We got him. Yeah, we really, we really had him where we wanted him, guys. Uh, I don't know. That whole thing rings very strange to me, and I, I, I find the discussion after this fight – I mean, there's a lot of narratives that have been talked about after this fight, but I do find the discussion after this fight about Connor's camp and the idea that if he's ever going to become Connor McGregor again and to the, to the way that we know him, right, as like a six successful fighter i guess uh that he needs to start branching out and doing some different things with this camp because i mean you look at that you look at that camp uh how many how many successful fighters would you say they've produced over the last five years jose spg yeah mm, from the original crew i think connor's the only one even left in the ufc at this moment from like that original like ashling daily Cathal pendred so i mean Chris like Shields non-connor like what like what's a new fighter that they not the original produced? crew but just you know coming out of SBG. They have, they have a uh, because Sinead, you name any uh, other camp. Shanae Cavanaugh other- is doing decent in Bellator. Um, that's well, so they got some Bellator people. That's it, right? Yeah, because they, I think have a, they have a relationship with Bellator. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I interpret those comments the same way that Mike Brown interprets those comments. He spoke to our own Damon Martin here for on MMA Fighting today, and uh, he said basically, like, I don't know how he could see that that way. And I guess that's where I come from. I don't, if, if that's your coaching assessment, Michael Bisbing says Connor should drop you. Um, I, I'm sure that's not his real coaching assessment. I'm sure that's just sort of what he's saying to the media. The whole Connor camp has been very, um, I'd say, curious the way they were talking in the lead up to that fight and, and since that fight. But, uh, yeah, it's not – I wouldn't say those comments were reflective of reality at all. So Sinead Kavanaugh is 4-4 four and four in Bellator. I think Johnny Walker's still training at SBG Ireland, last I saw. Uh, Gallagher's get, it now under James Krause. Uh, Pedro Carvalho just lost to Pitbull in the Grand Prix. And those are all the fighters. Not hearing anything good. Not hearing anything no, good. Those are all the ones I can hear off the top of my head. And Carvalho has had two bad losses in a row, not just one. Yeah. He just, yes. Yeah. Um, so those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, of course, I don't know all of the fighters in, like on the lower scene in Bellator because obviously when they go do Bellator London, I think a huge chunk of that is a lot of the fighters on the on the undercard and prelims and post limbs are SBG guys. But in the UFC, can't think of many. But, yeah, I mean, but but I mean, but even not even UFC, just any high level. Just on a high level. Just yeah. I'm not I'm just not talking UFC. UFC is just one thing, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to ridicule, 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 ridicule. Connor. Yeah, you know the word, uh, Connor. But I, I think about the whole, um, you know, we're not here to take part; we're here to take over. It. Yeah. Here's here's John I, mean, I mean, he took over for he took over for a few what? years, certainly. The Irish or Connor? I'd say Connor. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, I, and I'm kind of bummed. I was I was hoping for this big Irish, you know influence in mma um as far as actual competitors not just you know waving flags but um just hasn't happened here's the quote that here's the exact thing that john cavanaugh said outside of like there might have been an ankle injury going into the fight i thought the energy looked good technique looked good a few adjustments in between rounds and i thought we were well on track to getting possibly a finish or at least keep the rhythm going for the rest of the fight that was his assessment of the first round Beautiful champ. Beautiful Hearing a champ. lot of delusion there. I don't know. Either delusion or yes men ism. Yeah, this this sounds so much like Rhonda when when Rhonda was kind of having her fall, especially after the second loss to um before we knew she retired, retired, but after she lost to um Nunes. Amanda. Amanda, yeah, you were we were just thinking, you know, Rhonda clearly is a very talented athlete, a good fighter. She just needs to change things up and she chose not to, and that's what happened. And I feel like we're in the same boat with Connor now, you know. Maybe not to that extent, but it feels that way. Well, I also don't know how much because if you watch Connor's social medias or videos or anything, I don't know. He didn't really leave Dubai after Fight Island. He stayed there for a long time. Uh, I didn't see Kavanaugh or Roddy or any of his main training partners really until he went to California. Uh, unless they weren't on the videos or anything like that, I know Connor was kind of keeping. Uh, his camp secretive uh leading up to this fight so but until he went to california what a couple weeks before the fight didn't see him with kavanaugh or roddy or any of his usual crew so no idea who he's even training with uh over in dubai that's on him i mean that's on god yeah. I, mean, yeah I mean you can't do the whole thing i don't i didn't, I didn't train correct again you know it's like i don't know it's like right. so um so, so our assessment is bad not should he great. change? Should, should he Not change great. his feedback? Like he already said it, so it's out there. Yeah, I don't know. All right, <laughs> what's next? Bebop, boop, Oh man, a lot of Connor talk. Uh, let's get them all. Let's get them all out of the way. Shocking. I mean, I would assume that's the biggest story of the week, right? Yeah, but I'm. O- I mean, it's a big story, but I'm over it already. Come on, it's Wednesday. <laughs> well, our fans are not, and they are more important. He posted a picture of Poirier's four-year-old. Surely the MMA media isn't going to find a way to excuse this slash ignore this. Surely the MMA media will have the guts to ask Dan about it at the next. I, lo- I, I love it. Surely the MMA media isn't going to ignore this. I yeah, love wait, it. And not let him wait, Jose, Can we have Shaheen read the question, please? <laughs> it's so silly. That's so silly every time I hear that. And not let him deflect with a simple, yeah, that's out of line. Yeah, Dan, are you going to find him? Is there even a code of conduct policy? How is posting a picture of a man he threatened to kill his child and acceptable to go without punishment? And the follow-up would be, Dana, will you use this in the next promo? Will you zoom in on the kid's face with the world gonzo on the screen? How many buys will that do? What a salesman. So I didn't see these tweets while they were up because apparently they were deleted real quick with someone on twitter and i want to give him credit but i can't remember i think it's out of context mma or something like that i think i don't think that's the handle but that's what he goes by on twitter uh screenshotted them all he actually lined up the broadcast interview with dustin poirier to the con like someone had a camera like a phone camera on connor yelling after the fight at dustin and he lines them up and you can see the exact moment that he pointed at his head pointing at his gun saying you're gonna get it to when joe rogan stops the interview and looks at connor like he's crazy and then dustin's like go interview him go ask him what he's saying later apparently connor mcgregor tweeted gonzo with a photo of justin poirier's kid and some various other uh unfortunate things i'm just gonna call them unfortunate obviously they're they're worse things you call them but sean i don't it's know if disgusting. you saw the tweet no yeah disgusting. it's disgusting i, I mean I'm just i don't know if you saw the talk. it's it's absolutely yeah, disgusting ahead. man like all all of this is disgusting the whole after 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 math of all of this was was absolutely disgusting man like we've we've heard so many people say it at this point uh paul felder had a really nice rant about it where it's essentially like dude you can't 
you can't do that, right? Like, I understand that this is a fight game and people talk trash and that's part of the game and I, I enjoy that as much as anybody, but there is a certain line you can't cross and Connor crossed that line multiple times. He's crossed that line multiple times throughout his career. It's nothing new, but this is just, this feels like a, a bigger version of all of it. it. It was sour grapes and delusion to the, it's dialed up to 100. And I understand like the guy is sitting there with a broken leg. So maybe let's not interview him. Maybe let's not interview the dude with the broken leg who's obviously all hopped up on adrenaline and anger and in desperation. Like nothing good's <laughs> going to come out of that, right? <laughs> like that's just a that's a weird decision on its own. But I, but when you do, he, he says all these things. It's out there at that point. You can't excuse it. It, it, it was a terrible look. It, it's frankly, I'm done with it, man. Like I don't have any interest in ever seeing a fourth fight between these guys. It's pretty obvious that Dustin Poirier is a much better fighter than Conor McGregor at this point. I think if they fought ten times, Dustin probably wins nine of them. Like it's it's just where they are in their careers. Dustin's going to go down as an all time great lightweight, and Conor's going to go down as a guy who beat Eddie Alvarez. You know, like he, he's one in three at lightweight. Like it, it is what it is. He had a chance to to maybe be one of the greats of all time. And instead, he's just going to be the richest fighter of all time and, and the most popular fighter of all time. And that's a hell of an accomplishment. But at this point, like he I, who wants to see a fourth fight? Who has any interest in this at all other than the most diehard of Connor fanboys? Who has the most interest? Every no, UFC, I'm, say, I'm sure every UFC shareholder. That's who has. That's, oh, sure. That's not that's, what I mean. That's not what I mean. I just mean on like a hardcore fan scale. Are people clamoring to see Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor for? Because I don't feel like that's actually out there. Like, I'm sure when it happens, which it will happen, we'll all watch it. But that doesn't that's not exactly what I guess what I'm saying. Yes. Uh, Dana White, his only comment I've seen so far has been not a fan or, yeah, that's out of line when someone brought up the pre-fight trash talk. But it was after the fight. He didn't say anything about it before the fight. Will he use it in the in the promos? Probably. He'd use the bus attack after he said it was disgusting in all of the promos. Uh, even Teddy Alice, when I interviewed Teddy Alice after for our post show, he said, you have to carry yourself like if you want to call yourself a champion, you got to carry yourself like a champion. And he wasn't even a fan of Connor's uh, post-fight talk. So disgusting all around as far as the mma media i am sure someone will ask i'm sure it will be someone like john morgan uh not sure the mac life will bring it up whether it's their place to or not uh i'm not quite sure but i'm sure someone like john morgan or someone on site will bring it up but what's there to bring up what's what's i don't what what do you mean bring up to what to dana yeah i would like i personally would like dana's comments on it you can't not have something Hey, I'm going to tell you what those comments are going to be. Yeah, that's fine. Like, again, we're not talking. We're not talking about whether we know what he's going to say or not. Someone has to ask him about it. Whether we all know what he's going to say, it needs to be brought up. Let's answer the question: Is is there even a code of conduct policy? No, that's one no. of the questions. No, no, it's hyper selective. It's so, hyper yeah, selective. So it's, Con- it's Conor McGregor. He's he's the the cash cow, and they're going to ju- milk everything they can, juice every last drop out of that cash cow. I mean, they're not going to do anything to him. I mean, Shane, that's the reality of it. You don't care about you know them doing running it back a fourth time. I didn't give a shit about them running it back a third time. So like a fourth time, I'm going to give less yeah, of a man. shit. But I work, and this is what I do for a job, and people want to. People want to still hear about it or whatever, so they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna do Connor versus Dustin. Two thousand. They're gonna just do like a they're gonna do a best of seven. They're gonna do like the NBA finals and yeah. just keep doing this until Connor finally wins one, and then it's just like, well, oh look, I, I won one. Let's go over title shot. Title shot. Let's move on, everybody. We saw that. Dustin's gonna get a lot of money to just keep on winning. Then if it's best of seven, good on him. Then. Um. Uh. Oh, but. Okay, you know, you say all this counter argument, Ronda Rousey's tweet. That's just yeah. promotion. That's just, Connor. I, I see. I, I see one sore loser popping up another sore loser is what I see. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Just, it's kind of it's kind of funny how they're they're so they're buds. I like that. It makes a lot of sense. Um, we cover everything in this question. <laughs> I saw a lot yeah. of question marks in it. All right, cool. The, the, the main one, I don't think that I don't think the MMA media is going to ignore it. Like if someone We're on the about scene, it right? Like, now. <laughs> right. Well, I'm talking about bringing it I, up I to Dana. I love the discussion of the MMA media as some monolith. It is so hilarious to me every time of just like, oh, the MMA media doesn't talk about this, as if there's not hundreds of people in the MMA media, and and you know, some people are probably talking about that. Yes. You know, and it's it's funny. I just find it funny where 
between different fans where that line is crossed. For you know, this fan in particular, for a lot of fans, was you know the line was crossed with um, you know threatening to kill or murder his family and stuff. I mean, it's, it's I mean I felt the line was crossed way back, you know, with Connor. So like this is like for me, I'm like okay, whatever. Like we've already accepted he can say whatever he wants, you know, and just still sell a fight. So eh, here we are. Yeah, the Connor question. From a CSAL 86, McGregor's future, does Connor fight twice more in 2022 and be done with his contract and then be done with the UFC and fight Jake Paul? I see no way he lets himself be GSP'd by Dana. Um, if he fights, I don't know the exact number of fights left. If he has three or two or whatever, like let's say he has, let's, yeah, I see you. We're going to, let's say hypothetically has two. I don't know, just for the sake of this question. Uh, I am pretty confident that Dana, like Dana will not let him just walk away after two fights maybe he holds him up for a bit you think yeah no i have a feeling never letting conor mcgregor go especially i wouldn't be surprised if nate if nate tries to get one fight conor tries to get two more fights and then they do conor nate three outside the ufc and make a ton of money and they get to keep it and not give a ufc a chunk of any of it but uh sean uh, i'll let you answer this first what do you make of uh connor's contract situation and will we see him ever outside the ufc i would be stunned if they'd ever reached that point like i don't know that the ufc i don't know how the ufc could possibly ever reach let it reach that point right like it there's just that would be uh promotional malpractice to steal a phrase from an old friend um but in terms of the future i mean i don't know i mean conor mcgregor is still the most popular fighter in all combat sports like this that's the the reality of the situation right like this was what the second highest selling pay-per-view of all time it's looking like i think that says something he's nate diaz now he he could lose a billion times and people are still going to be interested people are going to still want to watch the car crash people are still going to be invested in the idea that maybe the old conor is back maybe mystic mac is back one more time he could. He has a, a, a thousands of fights he could sell. If they booked Connor versus Tony Ferguson or Connor versus RDA or Connor versus Nate Diaz, any of these type of fights, right now, people would be interested. I would be interested. Like that's just sort of the we're, we're human beings. Like we're we're jerk offs who who love watching this stupid circus sport. So like you know, all you got to do is sell me the car crash, and eventually people are gonna like it, right? They could do Charles Oliver versus Conor McGregor, and it would sell so much better than Charles Oliver versus Dustin Poirier. Oh, it would do like four times the number. That's yeah. what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And, dude, you, you know this. You know there's the shareholders are going to Dana and like, why don't we just do it? Let's just go for it. <laughs> Let's make some money. <laughs> I mean, we've reached the, we've we've reached past the point where the worm is turned, right? Like, no one cares anymore about any of this. People put up some perception of like, oh yeah, this is all bad. This is gr-. like I hate the idea of Cyril Gaon versus Derek Lewis, and then it's been a week, and now nobody's really talking about yeah, that, how stupid and pointless that fight is. And and what, next month when that fight comes, or, or whenever I think, yeah, that is next month, yeah. Houston. Uh, people are going to be excited for it. People are going to buy it. People are going to watch it. So it's like they, they ha- the UFC has successfully cracked the code of just like, well, just give them anything and they'll learn to like it. So, like, I wouldn't be – I mean, this I, would, is I what, wouldn't be stunned if Conor happens, Charles Oliveira, but I wouldn't right. actually. This is what happens when you also put ticket sales out before the main event because then it sells out and then you put whatever main event you want in the in the top spot uh casey what you look like you were gonna say something oh yeah i mean that's why i hate the whole idea is like oh well they put Derek lewis to sell tickets like bro the, the card is already sold out they, they that was they did fine already they did i mean that's fine i mean yeah the whole ticket sells and thing it's just um that's all i was gonna say Ugh, yeah just but I, I like the idea this question says well, are we gonna let himself get gsp'd by dana the thing about gsp gsp won so like he he like he, he, he was a champ. So that's why he's stuck in these contracts. That's what Khabib actually talks about. When you become the champ in the UFC, you actually feel like a prisoner, you know. So um, I was saying I said going into this fight, if Connor would have beaten Dustin, there's um, no way he fights Charles. Yeah, no way he fights Charles because then he's trapped by the belt. The belt is a the belt is a is a prison, and clearly you don't make more money with the belt when you're on a level of Connor. So yeah, so I don't think he's gonna GSP himself. Because you have to have a belt for that. I'm am just saying it does seem as if Connor's recovery is going to be maybe quicker than we thought. He's already talking about a timeline that's I think more ambitious than than I expected. Who will see how how, we how, that, how true? I, I yeah, exactly. That. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Like we'll see how true that is. But if he is able to come back by like like let's say early 2022, 
dude, the Tony Ferguson or the RDA fights either would be super intriguing I, to me. Like, I that, think, like, like I just want to see him take a step down in competition, right? Like Dustin is the best lightweight right. in the world. I think all three of us would agree with that. Like fight, fight someone lower. Tony Ferguson is right there. RDA is right there. And they're in super similar points of their career. Uh, I would, I'll go for either of those. I think I wouldn't be surprised if Connor was like over the years, Connor was planting seeds for a lot of these lightweights that aren't top five, but maybe six to 10. Like he was planting seeds for future fights by like, how many times did he w- randomly call out Paul Feldman over the years? He, he's kept that RDA rivalry. He's the Tony Ferguson paradigm. He renewed the RDA there. rivalry. He right. went out of so his like, way to renew I, the order. I would. So what I'm saying is I would not be surprised if he was just planting the seeds for these top 10 lightweights but not top five just so he can try to blast through his contracts with a bunch of fights that have bad blood you know and it's just not fighting random people like if he fought rda or tony ferguson there's at least a storyline there if that makes sense do you get what i'm trying to say like just plow through fights yeah so but maybe that's just him having foresight and planting those seeds years in advance anyway i think think we're giving i think we're giving connor a little too much credit I think he just sees people and yells at them, and we go, oh, he's planting a seed. <laughs> I mean, um, but I bet I think I mean, they could do Connor. Actually, I think Connor versus RDA is way too tough a matchup if, if the UFC wants Connor to win. Um, this kind of this version of Tony, maybe. Um, but I, I think, I mean, I think you do Connor versus Dennis Seaver type matchup, whatever that level of it. That drag level set, drag Dennis Seaver back out yeah, of the time. Just bring Dennis Seaver the back. The rematch. We're running it back, <laughs> running baby. It back, Let's go. Back. I would love that. I mean, like, <laughs> yes. Where's Cole Miller at? Cole, Cole Miller's Miller, yeah. on a fight. What about Drew Dober? Like 15th ranked lightweight, only does stand up, doesn't really grapple. I think I think he needs to fight someone in that range. Yes, I don't think I don't know if Drew Dober is a particular person, but I think it's someone outside but, of the top ten. But like, it's Connor, Drew Dober, it, what you just outlined is Drew Dober's wet dream to randomly land a Connor fight. Yeah. Yeah. But like I'm just that's just the name like giving someone to the top of the team that's not going to shoot for takedowns that has an exciting stand up style. I think it would be a fun fight. Like I'm not going to say no to Drew Dover and Connor in terms of a stylistic matchup, but it's just not going to happen. I'm just just the first name that came to my head. All right, let's let's keep moving. What's next? Terrence Leverett. Oh. Connor, this was, a, this was this a is interesting. This, is, this interesting. is a good one. Yeah. yeah, go for it. Connor refused to wear the crypto.com stuff. He has been on his f you pay me lately. Do you, do you think more fighters should do the same? Like if everyone does it, they all can't get in trouble. Besides a union, I think this is the way, this is the way. Thoughts? So that's the first question. We'll answer this before we move on to the second one. Uh, yeah, he didn't. So Connor McGregor didn't wear the crypto.com stuff to the ceremonial wins, and he came in without a shirt at the fights, right? So he didn't even wear the fight kit out. It was so. very purposeful. And, and, it and was real quick, at, at the ceremonial weigh-ins, outside of the main event, everyone kept their shirt on, which I thought was very weird. I don't know if they were told to do that or no one just bothered to take their shirt off, but I mean, they a single ha- fighter You have to imagine their- they were told to it, yeah, right? Like, no usually in protocols to yeah. take a shirt off. That's the fucking weigh-ins, man. That's, that's what it's about, man. You see the muscles, you know? But, okay, sorry. <laughs> The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Uh, do you think more fighters should do the same? If everyone does it, they can't get in trouble besides the union. I think this is the way. So, Sean, is there any possible scenario where all fighters just band together and just say, F this crypto stuff, we're just going to take them off before we walk out? No. No, no, there's no scenario that come on, man, I've given up hope on this. I gave up hope on this years ago Uh, for I think the first half of my career. I was a very loud and ardent supporter of the idea that these guys needed to unionize. And I would write all these stories about it and do all this research about it. And ultimately, it led to nowhere. Right. It led to a bunch of failed unions (laughs) and just a lot of mean tweets. Very. Yeah. A lot of ridiculousness all around. It's just like. Dana, my, Dana saved it. Dana's, Dana made the yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, I've given up. It's not my responsibility to make sure that these guys get together. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Uh, when I when we did the anonymous fighter survey in I think it was 2020 last year over at the Athletic, my former place of work, where we talked to almost two, I think it was close to like 170 or 200 uh, fighters anonymously, and just sort of asked them a lot of questions, try to get a gauge of the landscape overwhelmingly they all supported the union i think i can't remember the exact number but it was close to like 70 or 80 percent were either for the union or not against the union and yet and over the course of all the interviews i did for that again talking to these people even anonymously even even anonymously like these people know their names are not going to be connected to this uh i had countless fighters who were sort of too scared to answer the question or were trying to dodge the question or or skirt around it and then I had a whole nother group of fighters who would say yes, but I know for a fact it's never going to happen because we're all too selfish and we're all we all think we're going to be the next Conor McGregor. And that's it. Like, right. Like we all they every most fighters think they're going to be that guy. Most yep. fighters think they're going to be Kamaru Usman. They're going to be this dominant champion, even if maybe they don't think they're going to be Conor and they don't think they're going to be this bombastic, you know, huge star. Most fighters think they're going to be an Usman or a Peter Yan or something like that. They think they're eventually going to reach that point and then they're going to get what's theirs. Uh, and unfortunately, only the like one percent of the one percent can do that, right? So, no, I don't. I don't think that will ever happen. But the idea, I did enjoy seeing uh, Connor just say, you know, like these people aren't paying me. Like I, <laughs> I'm gonna just wear whatever I want. And somebody try to stop me. I did. I did. Of all the Connor antics yeah. of last week, that was the one thing that I actually kind of found pretty enjoyable. Yeah, a fan asked me on Twitter about the union thing. I was like, yeah, it'd be a good idea, but it's never going to happen, this and that. And his response was, yeah, I feel you. At some point, you just have – you can't be the one that cares more than the fighters. I was like, that's a good way of putting it. That's exactly – someone told me two years ago, I feel like I care about this more than the fighters, and that's sort of when I decided that I don't care about this anymore. And that that resonated with me of like, yeah, I I think you're actually right. Like I think a lot of the media cares about this much more than the actual fighters do. So at that at a certain point, like, right, like I can't – it's not my fight to fight. But I, I get it too because um, we – it's – look who the fighters – every fighter that's been very vocal about unionizing, look what's happened to them. Not good. <laughs> or or they what, what do you sides, see, but that's so that's what I was gonna say because I don't know that that's true right because Donald Cerrone George St Pierre TJ Dillashaw they all supported that union and they uh, Uriah Faber like there are a lot of guys who supported all these various union efforts over the years and then you know I don't know they slide a title shot their way or they slide a contract extension their way or something and it's just like oh yeah I mean Donald Cerrone lasted with the MMA AAAAA whatever that was called for like. 24 hours right <laughs> like the next day he was telling people like oh i don't know what that was they tricked me or something to the effect i'm paraphrasing yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That. so like that's what this is yeah, right like, i just showed up for the free t-shirt yeah it's like <laughs> cut off the head of the snake and the rest of it just shrivels up i think uh leslie smith has been kind of critical on george st pierre about that too a little bit you know but fairly i would say fairly yeah he, mm-hmm. he got what he wanted out of that whole situation 
Question two from Terrence Leverett. Well, I think that Connor, well, well, I think what Connor said was awful. How is this different from a rap battle? I know it comes off as Eminem versus Moby, not Jay versus Nas. I know y'all listen to rap. Do we keep the same energy? They both can end in horrible things. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure I followed. Rapping. Connor, there wasn't a beat when Connor I mean, was. it's this is yeah, they're fist fighting like Eminem and Moby and Jay versus Nas. Like someone said something mean about the other over a ill beat. Uh, I get. In the 90s, like, Suge Knight can roll up on you and just, like, decapitate you if you want it, but that's not how it works these days. I guess it happens with various other people in the Bloods that are in the rap game now, but no, I would not. I would say this is a lot different. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't, Unless I don't Kavanaugh was there with, like, a comparison. two turntables and gave, you know, gave like no beat. If, if, like, if, if John Kavanaugh and Roddy showed up at the next Fighters Only Award, like they did at the the Source Awards, like in, that, in whatever <laughs> year it was, and they were like, if you're all not with West Coast Death Row, then F you. If they did that, maybe. But until I see that, ain't happening. Well done, Casey. Thank that you. was good produce work right there. Apparently Nas and Pac got into it that night too, back in the nineties. Also, Nas beat Jay in that. Jay Z. All right. Are we, still, are, we, are we still keeping score in that? Jeez, man, come on. Well, <laughs> he won the battles. He won What's every next? battle. What's no, next? I'm going to say this, score. and then we can move on. Nas won the battles. <laughs> Jay signs Nas to his record label, so he won the war. He makes money off of Nas now. Moving on. Uh, Herb Dean stoppage Tris yes in your opinion do you think the stoppage by Herb Dean in the fight between Sean O'Malley and Chris Moutinho was justified do you think Herb stopped the fight due to what happened to Calvin Cade and all the damage he took which caused a little more controversy and why the fight was stopped sooner I'm a little surprised Herb called this one when there was only 30 seconds left you might as well let Moutinho go out on a shield just as Cater did when he fought from from my standpoint I thought this was a little peculiar Casey you wanted to talk about this so have at it Oh, this is um, a great question. This is a I, great question. I, um, this is one of those rare occasions where me and Dana White were right on the same page. Like um, Dana said, that fight could have been stopped at pretty much any point after the first round, um, and I agree. Um, I don't. I, I, if anything, it was a late stoppage, but a late stoppage is still better than no stoppage. And if at those last thirty seconds, um, luckily. Luckily, Sean O'Malley's hands are made of glass, so both of them were—I think he broke—he might have broken both of his hands. That's simply the reason why he couldn't knock um, Mr. Moutinho out. Yeah, Mr. Moutinho, you are a tough mf'er. Congratulations, but that's not what the fight. I mean, I don't know. It's like you got—was was it two thousand strikes? He got hit with some record number of significant strikes there's like 200 and something yeah you know? and, it was, and it was all one side it was like 230 maybe yeah it was just like I, I don't i just don't understand at like an 80 up- at like an 80 percent clip too yeah like he, he let's yeah. say like accuracy rating i just don't understand the uproar about this um there's no such thing as a moral victory why the hell would the ref go you know what get punched in the face 30 more seconds so you can get a moral victory i just don't get it i don't get the uproar about this i was kind of i was kind of shocked that all the fans and a lot of MMA media were kind of like, that was a horrible stoppage. He should he deserved to get his ass handed to him for 30 more seconds. I just don't get it. Um, I was just very confused by that whole situation. And to me, it was a so, late stoppage, if anything. So let me jump in here because I, I feel like I had a bit of a roller coaster of an evolution with this stoppage. And I, because initially I was on that side that you were just talking about, Casey. When, when this happened in the moment, I mean, I will admit my bloodlust was at peak levels, I, right? I, I, like, get, you, I get that. I get it. You know, that's, well, that's what I'm saying. Like in the moment, it's like, no, no, like this was just going to this. Something was just about to happen. Like it really did feel like that last 30 seconds were about to be utterly spectacular for Sean O'Malley. Like he was really that felt like it was about to get dangerous pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, for those last 30 seconds, the way he was sitting on his punches and really pouring it on or at least looked like he was about to. But I think by the end of the night. Once I sort of got away from that, again, that initial moment of just like the bloodlust that Mm -hmm. rushes through you when you're watching these sort of things, I did come around to the other side. I wrote about this a little bit on Sunday on MMA Fighting, uh, but you just look at the numbers. We mentioned it, 230 significant strikes, 
at a 72% clip. That was what it was. But then the real number to me was 76% of those strikes. <coughs> excuse me. 76% of those strikes were head strikes. Like almost all of them were head strikes. Sean wasn't working the body a lot. Like he was purely aiming for the head of the green zombie. And man, like that, you can't, that's how boxers die, right? Like that is how people die in the boxing ring is taking all of these head strikes over and over again. Per- for a no long reason. period of time too. Yeah. Yeah. The not prolonged just- beating aspect of it. Like this was not going to get better. I, I agree. I think it could have been stopped sooner now in retrospect, now that I've gotten some distance from it. Like it, it, I don't, I don't mind the stoppage. I, I'm glad it stopped at some point. Uh, but yeah, like this could have been stopped sooner. A corner could have thrown in a towel. Obviously, it's a hard thing to ask of a corner in that spot where it's a, a short notice fight against a guy like Sean O'Malley. But yeah, I have absolutely no problems or problems with the stoppage now, uh, as opposed to initially. I definitely did. Do you understand why Moutinho is ups- the man that this was actually in the fist fight? Do you understand why he's upset with it? Because if you watch our in- Mike Hex interview with him, he said stopped it for no reason, and he wanted those last thirty seconds. We'll Moutinho, see. So like, Moutinho Casey, should be mad. Moutinho should yeah. be mad because he's a fucking fighter and he should be angry. Anytime, anytime a fight stopped and the fighter's going, "What the hell? What the hell?" I am never critical of that fighter because that's what they do. They go out there and fight. And they are prepared. They are prepared to die in there, and that's what makes Chris Moutinho a good fighter. That's all. So yeah. I have no issue. With I will. Moutinho. I will say. Sorry, when, I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say because Casey, you mentioned the idea of moral victories, right? And that there aren't any moral victories, and that was like a conversation we we saw a lot on Saturday of like, hey, man, like this guy earned the dignity of having that moral victory of leaving Vegas with just a decision loss rather than a stoppage loss. Like that would make it really any like that would change anything moving forward that's silly and and i understand it in the in the moment saying that because again that that everything that's rushing through us at that moment the adrenaline all of it but there aren't moral victories have zero zero tangible value in the real world and and, and we live in the real world it those type of things do not exist in this game uh if you just give chris moutinho another 30 seconds of, of just letting sean o'malley tee off with headshots like you don't know how much more damage that's going to do uh in the grand scheme of things i don't even think it matters much right like no one's talking about chris moutinho today any worse than they would have had it went to a decision like i don't know that his stock was affected at all by the fact that this didn't go to a decision like if anything it kind of helped him because now he has this additional argument of like people being outraged for him so I, I, I get I get the idea in theory, but I think in concept it's not it's not factual. It's not right. His phrasing was when in the interview with our own Mike Heck, uh, he's viewing a loss as a loss, and he's pissed off at the loss, but it makes him more agitated. That was a TKO loss rather than a decision loss. That's just his personal view. He's the one that was sure. getting punched in the face, so he has every right to be upset with that. Um, yeah, I don't have an issue with the stoppage whatsoever. Reminds me of Connor. It's a doctor stoppage. It's a doctor stoppage. It's not a TKM. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I, I just want to say, like, when Chris got that fight and a bunch of his teammates from New England messaged me saying, he's probably going to lose, but he's not going to get knocked out. It's TKO, but it's on the Called so. it. They yeah. called it. I was like, I messaged a bunch of them. I was like, damn, you nailed that to a T. And they said, because you could see him talking a lot in there, they they described him as a guy that when they roll or spar, no matter who they're, he's rolling with, he talks so much. And then as soon as training's over, he's like, oh, man, you got me that day. Get you tomorrow. And then, like, he's he moves on. Like, he just talking is just what he does. So no matter who Chris fights, whether he likes you or not, he's going to keep John. So. Yeah. And I'm very excited for his next fight, though. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Ultimately, it was a win for him because I think everybody is going to be much more excited for his next fight than he would they would have been had he just debuted on a random UFC Vegas sure. card on 100%. some prelim, right? Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a win for him. I just hope that he learns some head movement. Take yeah. your head off the center line a little bit because this is not sustainable, well, and I want to see you have a long and flourishing career. Now yeah. he can train full-time. He's no longer working on the line at a paint company. He got an extra $75,000. In uh, that bonus, plus whatever other money he got out of it, so I'm sure he can now concentrate on being a full time fighter and learning that, some head movement. That's like the weird positive to come out of this is the fact that if that fight would have been stopped properly, say at the end of the first round, he doesn't get fight of the night bonus. Sean O'Malley no. doesn't get fight of the night bonus. They yeah. just, it's just it just goes down as a fight, and Sean O'Malley and we go, yeah, that was a mismatch, and we move on. <laughs> yeah, you're not so wrong. Cut, anyway. yeah. It sucked for Nico Price. And Michelle Pereira, because they probably lost out a fight of the night because of that fight. Right. 
Right, right, right. Thank you uh, for the question, Tristan Gordet. Don Drapper on Twitter. The Big Don23. If Dustin beats Charles, does he have the best resume ever at lightweight slash featherweight? Ooh, wee. He's best way up there. Ever. Best ever. I don't think so. Go for it, Jose. I don't, I wouldn't, resume wise, like the names he fought, I can't think of many people that would have a better resume, like a list of fighters under their belt that fought, that he fought. I still there's would put difference. maybe, there's a yeah, there's a difference between, between, right? Yes, correct. Um, just to answer this, the best resume ever at lightweight featherweight, who's he, like, Casey, do you remember when we did this show with, with Andreas? I read down the list of fighters that Anthony Pettis fought between like 20, 15 to now it's pretty much the top 10 greatest lightweights ever minus if you want to include bj penn in that list and habib pretty much those are the only two he hasn't fought he's fought pretty much everybody else dustin's the same who hasn't he fought out of the greatest lightweights ever outside of the like the prime bj penn he's fought everybody so Best resume? I can't think of many people better than Dustin at lightweight. Oh, yeah. If you go... Well, you could add the featherweight aspect of yeah, it, too. Yes. He has yeah, for, for, significant for, for the handful fight. of fighters that fought significant fights at both those weight classes, without a doubt, Dustin is the best lightweight featherweight ever. <laughs> I'm going to go back. Well. Let me go back. I'm, I'm going to start... Let me let me read from his first UFC fight. His first two couple of UFC fights were Josh Crispy, Jason Young, Pablo Garza, and then this is starting at 2012 in a row. Max Holloway, Korean Zombie, Jonathan Brookins, Cub Swanson, Eric Koch, Diego Brandao, Akira Korasani, Conor McGregor. That was his featherweight run. Great names. Jumps up to lightweight. Carlos Diego Fajeda, Yancy Medeiros, Joe okay. Duffy, Bobby Green, Michael Johnson. Lost to Michael Johnson. Right. Jim Miller, Eddie Alvarez, no contest. Pettis, Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, Max Holloway, Habib, Dan Hooker, Connor, Connor. It's pretty spectacular. Yeah, it's spectacular. I so, might, I might throw Anthony Pettis's resume in terms of like fights in a row, maybe a notch above because he also went up to welterweight and fought a bunch of high level fighters too. Yeah, but we're talking lightweight featherweight. I would, I would still say, maybe put I would put maybe Anthony Pettis above because in a row at 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 lightweight Edson Eddie RDA Gilbert Benson Cerrone, like Joe Lozon Clay Guida Benson Henderson like that's those are some big names of lightweight too I think maybe in terms of resume I'm not talking wins and losses maybe Anthony Pettis above but in terms of wins and losses I can't think of many better than Dustin. Yeah, I mean, so I would I would submit to this conversation. Also, Rafael dos Anjos has to be under consideration yes. because sure. Rafael dos Anjos has since 2013 is the guys he's fought: Cerrone, Habib, Jason High, Benson Henderson, Nate Diaz, Anthony Pettis, Cerrone, Alvarez, Ferguson, Tarek Safadine, Neil Magny, Robbie Lawler, Kobe Covington, Kamaru Usman, Kevin Lee, Leon Edwards, yeah. Michael Chiesa, and Paul Felder. That's outrageous. <laughs> like that is a murderer's row across two different divisions. But I, I do think the idea of Dustin right now in a historical sense is really interesting. That's what I want to explore just for a second because I know people get tired of the greatest of all time conversations and sort of like that, that, that like, oh, is this the best lightweight of all time situation? There's no – Habib is the best lightweight of all time. I think we can all agree on that and he probably will be for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to, to match and top what he did. But there is a big gaping hole in number two uh, lightweight of all time. I don't know that you, there's a definitive answer to that. You could give me a lot of different answers and I think you could make case for any of them, right? You could make case for Eddie Alvarez, Frankie Edgar, BJ Penn. Okay. Like there's a lot of guys who you could throw into that number two spot and, and you could make a compelling case that I could eventually come around to it. I really feel like Dustin right now with the resume that you just listed off Jose and, and the run that he's been on in this UFC stint since he went back up to lightweight, I think he's like 12 and two with maybe like a no contest in there and, and the names that he's beaten and the ways that he's beaten them with, with all out drag out wars and finishes and all of this, man, if Dustin goes and beats Charles Oliveira probably later this year, and then just, I don't know, even defends that title once, it feels to me like Dustin Poirier will have a pretty secure spot on yeah. the number two lightweight of all time, which yeah. is a crazy, crazy thing to say about this guy who, I mean, I, did anybody see any of this coming? It felt like even halfway through his lightweight run, he was still yeah. being 
doubted and he was still like the underdog on so many of these different fights and the dude just continues to persevere and dig deep and find these wins and beat these people and he is at this point evolved into just one of the most complete 155ers we have ever seen and it is utterly spectacular i think yeah i I do go ahead i think we think i think we think it's amazing because when dustin lost like Connor's lost. Like Connor came into the UFC with like two losses. We just didn't see those losses. They were kind of like you know on regional cards, you know. Mm-hmm. But when Dustin lost, he lost big. You know, he got knocked out big in a main event by Michael Johnson. He got knocked out big by Conor McGregor. So we got to see Dude, those losses. Even the so, even and, the so, first big one, even the first big one, the Korean Zombie one, it's like oh, his yeah, first main event, yeah, yeah. and he's like crying on national TV about yeah. it. Like he, you're right. A lot of his losses were so, huge so we, we losses, see, and, and like we, they kind of they're in our brain. You know, we we. It's hard. It's hard to forget about them, but um, if we, if we just take those just as losses and not as like these big kind of dramatic monumental losses, just losses, just like Connor had losses, then all of a sudden, like his yeah, his record does look a lot lot better if you just go take take out the drama in it, you know, and um, yeah, go back to this if question, you, dude. Dustin's amazing. <laughs> just, I just want to say, man. I, I rattled off. I rattled off that those that resume, but I want to add. His two-and-a-half-year span with Jim Miller, which was a decision win, fight of the night, Eddie Alvarez, no contest, and then submission over Pettis, KO over Gaethje, KO over Alvarez, one of the greatest fights of all time against Max Holloway. That two-and-a-half-year span, has there been a better string of wins in lightweight history? That's up there. I mean, I would argue that... Because, like, Anthony Pettis fought maybe bigger names but was, like, 500 in that run. Like, those are all violent wins in spectacular fashion. I would argue that the two-year stretch of McGregor choking out McGregor, choking out Poirier, choking out Gaethje by Habib, Mm -hmm. that that was maybe tops it just in terms of pure impressiveness because of how overwhelming and dominant those performances are. And if Dustin does go down as maybe the number two lightweight of all time, that's a really crazy result that we saw at UFC 242 there between Habib and Dustin. But yeah, man, that's a great, great run that, that you just named there for Poirier. Yeah, and then it all started with a KO loss to Michael Johnson in Hidalgo, Texas. And Dustin was the underdog. And I think almost all of those fights, like the Justin fight, he was the underdog. The Alvarez fight, I think he was the underdog. And the Max fight, I know he was the underdog. Yep, yep. He was underdog crazy. And in the rematch versus Max, he was an underdog? Yeah, man. I yeah. remember I was at that fight. Yeah. It was in yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that Holloway fight is like, because we all knew that Eddie, and we all knew Dustin Poirier was one of the greatest lightweights on planet Earth. I think that Holloway fight really just catapulted him to another level. Because remember, because, he was kind of, he was stuck in no man's land. Those were his words. He didn't know when he was going to fight. And then they, because it should have been Tony Ferguson for the interim title. It should have been, remember, and then Tony was like, no, I want to fight for the real belt. So then they made Max versus Dustin and it turned out to be epic. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But if you remember the context around that fight, like that was Max at his ab- absolute zenith. Yeah, like he was he had lost yet. Max Holloway. He just knocked out Jose Aldo twice. Then they had the Brian Ortega thing in Toronto. That was just like this, the craziest sequence of, yep. uh, of just like the craziest 20 minutes that we had ever seen. Like that, there was a reason Max was the favorite going into that. And I remember that fight week. Most people were picking Max. And I was... I was a little surprised of like, guys, are you are you ignoring what Dustin's doing here? Like he's in the middle of a 
really historic run uh but it's it's incredible man it really is it's good to see i love seeing stories like what dustin, dustin is also into. physically a huge lightweight i would i don't want him to move up to welter anytime soon but if he wants to bump up to lightweight at some point in his career I, there's a fun right. fights there too he's, he's a big huge. boy yeah he's like he walks around like a buck 90 yeah you ever see anyway before we leave this question I think it's on Netflix. Go watch Fightville. Yeah, and there, there yeah. are photos. Great, of du- great, great one. Great, yeah. This is this is all pre pre WEC Dustin Poirier, and they show pictures of him when he was two hundred plus pounds. <laughs> there's so, there's so, that photo of him and his wife going to like a dance or a wedding yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm so glad you mentioned that case. Recently, with this past year, I have I revisited Fightville for something I was writing for uh, Chris Rennie's book, uh, the the art of violence. Uh, I believe it was what it was called. Yes, and I, I rewatched Fightville for the piece that I was going to write for that, and it is still it is such a interesting rewatch now in 2021, knowing what we know about Dustin Poirier. To see that all of this of him like warming up in, in rodeo stalls and like hearing his mom talk about like how he's finally found something where he can be he can be the best in the world and that's all he wants is to to one day be able to put his hands up in the air and say that he's the best in the world and that this saved his life and all of this. My man, Dustin, you can put your hands up in the in the air and say that you're the best in the world. You did it. You man, did it. Uh, I think um, I, I saw some clips of primetime out there today that when Nick Diaz was in primetime, and I just, I'm just so bummed that today's MMA fans never got to experience a proper, um, a proper UFC promotion for pay per view. Not, you know, not just embedded and stuff like that, or you know, Rogan yelling "oh" on promos, but like those 30 minute primetime episodes that built yeah. up pay per views. And because Dustin Poirier never got one of those. And um, it's a shame because Dustin's story is so unique and so um, inspirational to this sport. And um, I wish people I wish more people knew about it. That's all. His fight against zombies is still my favorite fight ever. Who is the Jake Paul? Who is in the oh. Jake Paul robot? How does it so, function? Clearly the question of the week. So if you haven't seen thank it. Thank you, I, Cynthia Vance. I, 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 I have so many questions. The, so the Jake Paul robot was my biggest takeaway of the Jake Paul press conference with Tyron Woodley. We talked about this actually on a reaction pod that we filmed yesterday with, with Mike Hackett and Damon Martin. But like I desperately need to know what was going on with the Jake Paul robot. Like, is this a gigantic minute bowl sized man in this robot? Do I have two different four footers on each other's shoulders? Like the kids in the bar who have the trench coat or are trying to order a beer. Like, is that the setup here? Like how, are someone on stilts? Like that dude was massive and it was clearly a human being in there. It's not in <laughs> Casey. I know you're going to tell it's me it's uh, a real robot. It's not a real robot. <laughs> you guys, I need you to, guys, I need um, to know there's what little, was going there's, on with this robot. There's little, okay. Robots aren't that big. First of all, there's little robots stacked on top of each other to, give the impression of one giant robot and by the way these are our new future robot overlords a little respect please a little respect to our overlords you guys are both you guys if that's, are both the, if that's the case i am so not comfortable with jake paul having access to that technology <laughs> hey jake paul he's wrong. smart he's he's a he's a smart prize fighter he knows to promote fights and he knows who to kiss ass to you kiss ass to our <laughs> robot 12 foot jaw overlords you guys, you guys both read comic books, so I don't have to explain to you. But uh, it's clearly the similar to the Hulkbuster armor that Iron Man wears. It's just a large suit of armor with a man embedded inside. Or it could be oh, the Avatar. Like, that, so or like it could be like, he's like little, yeah. like his little, yeah. little seat. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like better that. yet, for all you cinephiles out there, you guys have all seen like Men in Black. You know when the guy's, yeah. you know when the guy's face opens up and there's the tiny alien living in the guy's face, similar to that too. Or it could be like in Ultimate Spider-Man, the comic book, where Mysterio sends his avatar to another dimension, and it's just a giant robot that he controls from another uh, parallel universe. But that is neither here nor there. I love Those the, the I love the Men in Black callback. That is such a that was such a great movie that nobody Dude. ever talks about. Men in Black Someone Men in Black. I watched Men in Black was great. I watched, me and my me and my friends quote. It doesn't matter. You're not even gonna be matter. <laughs> Like we quote that like way too often. Someone told me this is, and I apologize to Darren Elkins for this, but I watched his fight. Whenever he fought Ryan Hall, someone I was watching with someone that doesn't watch MMA. And this is like the first time they, that he has ever watched MMA. And I was explaining to him about Ryan Hall, why he's so popular. I'm like, and the guy's like, yeah, of course he's going to win. The guy he's fighting looks like the guy, the, the cockroaches that go into the guy's skin. Edgar. Edgar. Yeah. 
He goes, Darren Elkins looks like the guy who lost his skin and now the bugs are wearing it. I was like, oh, don't say oh, that about that's Darren Elkins. Mean. That's me. Derek is very because it's a lovely person. He is a fantastic person, and it was a weird fight. But that's that is since then I've tried to incorporate Men in Black more into the MMA scene. So let's make that a priority. You're doing you're doing the Lord's work out there, Jose. Men in Black Three is also I loved Men in Black Three. Men in Black Two, Men in Black Three, the one with uh, with time travel and that sad ending. Is that the Josh Brolin one? Yeah, the ending ruled. The ending made me sad. I can't say I remember anything about two wars. The ending was time where where the, where where Agent J, where Agent K meets Agent J as a kid after his dad yeah. dies. Oh, sad times. Spoiler All right. alert. All right, uh, we're gonna fly through these last ones because I gotta jump off. Yeah, we got five that. minutes. Do you agree with the beep's prediction that Nate would win the McGregor trilogy? Sean, yes or no? Uh, I kind of do. Yeah, I Casey, do. absolutely, I do. Me too. Uh, uh, do, 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 do. First off, welcome back, Sean. Sons and five, damn straight. Jake Paul has carefully chosen his opponents up until this point. I don't see this as a winnable fight for him. Do you think he bought into Tyler's losing streak too much, or is praise due for step up in competition? Maybe both. Maybe he, it's just a competitive fight. I'm sure he thinks he can win, but Sean, what do you like? Real quick thoughts on the fight. I see it as a very winnable fight for him, and I think it's actually a really smart and interesting fight to pick for him because Tyron Woodley is someone who we know is a striker. He's someone who we know is a power puncher, but he's not a striker in the sense that you would think of as a boxer, right? He's not throwing out 10-punch combinations and and doing all sorts of Philly shell defense and things like that. Like He's a very particular MMA puncher who has wrestling skills that can offset sort of like that sort of technique, right? Like he can throw with absolute power and not be afraid of getting taken down like that's a very very different thing than being a great boxer i don't know that tyron woodley is a great boxer he might be able to become an okay boxer but he's not, he doesn't have a lot of time to do it uh, i think it's a very winnable j- fight for jake paul i kind of see him winning it but i don't want that to happen I'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm not some unbiased journalist in this one i hope tyron woodley knocks him the hell out but i don't know that that's gonna happen uh Case- but it's very it's definitely winnable Casey, really quick, just is this winnable for Jake Paul or is just Tyron should be the overwhelming favorite? Uh, I think Tyron's the favorite, but it is winnable, and I think this is a smart matchup by Jake, uh, mainly due to the size difference. He's yes. going to lack experience and skill, but Jake will have significant size on Tyron Woodley and significant reach. And reach in boxing is much more of a factor than it is MMA. Correct. Especially, especially if you know how to use it. Yes. Jake has a good jab. Yeah. Jake, Jake's, yeah, he's fine. Jake has a, a very good job. It, it, and that's yeah. the fun of the pay-per-view, should, the, the fight. You know it's, kinda, he, it's a mystery. We really don't know what we're going to get. He, he fights like someone that's 3-0. and But he just happens to have a very good job. Anyway, is there one more? What? Why the recent trend of Why the recent trend of MMA media switching jobs? Is it all money? Is each place LOL money is in MMA media? Is each place Is each place that much different to work for? Is it something completely different that I haven't thought about? So Casey and I still work at the same place we've been working at for the last what two and a half years. Sean, you just switched over. It's clearly all about the money, right? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, no, I mean I don't know I, I, why, why the trend. I, I feel like these things come in waves, right? Like it feels yes. like every time there's a major shift in the MMA landscape, it's kind of just not one person; it's multiple people. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why why it's happening. I think just well, sort of I just want to. Do you think that's just a? Do you think that's just a coincidence though? Because I've got this. I've got a few people fans ask me this. Like, is it a coincidence that everyone shifts around at once? Like you said, like no one's just no, planning no. the big shift. No, it's not a coincidence. I mean, we're all friends behind the scenes. We're talking to each other when we're not on YouTube. You know, of like, hey man, are, are you thinking of doing this? Or are you thinking of doing that? So I, it's definitely not a coincidence. Okay. Um, I mean, but each place is very, very different to work for. I will say, like coming from where I was just at is an infinitely different job than what I'm doing over here. Like it's not even comparable. It's night and day. So, so there are, there's a big difference in the landscape. And ultimately I think it's good for the MMA media to have more out there. If the ringer wants to open up an MMA department, that's fantastic for MMA. That means more jobs right now. How many real full-time jobs are there in MMA? Like 20? Maybe. Yeah. In the world. Like, (laughs) like that's it. Like competition is good. The more jobs, the better, man. The more opportunities for everybody, the better. I just want everyone to get paid. Everyone should get paid. Anyway, is that it, Casey? That is it. 
That is it. This has been Jose. That has been Sean. That has been what? I know. Oh, no, we don't. We don't have to oh. run out. We can you know, say our buys. And well, stuff. okay, yeah. yeah we this has been. Things. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the A Side Live Chat again this Wednesday. Uh, Sean, Sons and Five. I am so damn nervous. And tonight. I'm putting it. I'm putting. I, it, I, I, I peak I, nerves, man. It that's feels the best like part. that's the best. Part. Nerves are the best part. The, the Scott Welcome. Foster, the Scott Foster bullshit that happened on Sunday really got me on tilt. And the idea that if we can't touch Giannis, if the fact that anybody just touches him or he can just run into us going down the lane and that's a foul on us, at that point we can't win, right? Like if those are the rules you're setting and you like DeAndre Ayton is just going to get fouled out super fast mm-hmm. and we don't have another big man. Like I am terrified that they, this that is the referees I, I love ne- I love negative Shaheen I love like oh we're gonna lose no, this gonna isn't, lose. I don't, I don't think I don't this, this isn't negative this those are all very actual facts that will probably happen in this game and if they lose this game they could if basically this is it's making Look, I don't, I'm not saying all I'm saying is talent. I never expected us to get this far and at this point I'm way too in deep I can't handle us not winning like, I, I, like, if we don't win, it's going to be the saddest thing that I that has ever happened to my life at this point. Like, I desperately need this title. I'm putting this out there. You don't the Suns, understand how much I need this. If the Suns win, I will. If the Suns win, I tweeted this. If the Suns win, I know, Sean, you're on board. In 1,000% doing a shoey outside the Suns oh. arena. Oh, and we will I mean, put it, and we will document it and put it out there. We have hot we're talking about one shoot, one shoey. We're doing fifty yeah. shoeys. We're you're doing, y'all are not going to hear from me for two weeks. Yeah. I'm gonna wake up in some back alley in Thailand if the Suns win the title. And it better be a shoey from a stranger. I want to see someone walking by. Hey, you in the Suns jersey? Give me your hey, shoe. Oh, if you're watching this and you're in Phoenix and you see Sean and I outside the arena and the Suns have just won, run up to us, take your shoe off. I will do a shoey, and we will document it. Hopefully that's on Saturday. <laughs> Fingers crossed. This is will be up on all podcasts. We'll see you next Wednesday. We're out. Oh, happy birthday, Conor McGregor. Happy birthday, AK. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.